Hello and welcome to Prince Track by Track presents Midnight Vultures Track by Track. Today we're going to be talking about Pressure Zone, which is the penultimate track from Midnight Vultures. Released on the 23rd of November 1999, uh, written by Beck. Uh, on the track it is Beck and the usual people, you know, Justin Metal Johnson, Roger Joseph Manning Jr., Joey Veronica. Uh, the track is 3 minutes 14 and joining me to talk about today is Kevin Hendricks. Hello Kevin. Hi. Uh, so yeah, this is the, the penultimate track uh, produced, produced by Beck and Tony Hoffer as opposed to... Um, uh, either the Dust Brothers or uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the other producer, Justin Petralia. Not no no. Um, and uh, I don't know. In terms of like the the you know the overall kind of you know genre that the album's in, I think this is kind of one of the more upbeat kind of uh, pop songs. Um, you know, there's a, a there's a bit more of a uh, I don't know. Like I don't know that there's more of a story on this. Um, because I don't know that we ever figure out what the pressure zone is. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I have some theories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I'd I say this is kind of one of more of the poppy songs on, on the album. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, um, probably the shortest song on the album as well, um, coming right before what is the longest song on the album. Right. Um, although, you know, that's only technically the longest song because Deborah has hidden, I don't know, hidden nonsense at the end. It's not really sure. a hidden track. Sure. Um, so, but yeah, you know, uh, I mean, let's get straight into the lyrics because, uh, you know, Beck <laughs> tells us the countryside is overgrown. And mm. I, I just kind of love that there's some there's some kind of element of Beck who still wants to kind of get back to nature. Mm -hmm. And even as he's, you know, a famous rock star, he sees that the countryside is overgrown. And he's it's almost like he's warning us saying, you know, we need to get the combines out there. We need to get, you know, some mowers going. We need to kind of trim it all back and, you know, yeah. kind of take and, control of it. And not to get um, too far too far ahead, but like, you know, a lot of the themes and motifs on this album are really about like Hollywood and everything. So like for somebody from yeah. the countryside to like abandon that sort of country aspect of themselves and then to enter into this like, uh, you know, further on in the lyrics, we'll see this sort of like seedy Hollywood prostitute underbelly. So I think a lot of that is uh, yeah. like sort of the abandonment of this like country identity, which I think is a really cool opening I, lyric. Yeah, I'd I'd say like probably this and Deborah are probably the only two songs on this album that have like a kind of a straightforward story in them. Yeah. Um, you know, and the story in this again, like because of the way that Beck writes lyrics, it's still not completely straightforward. Right. It's like he wrote a book and then took every sentence and kind of put it in a food processor and then pieced together each line out of like a little bit of ground meat or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 still kind of a little bit all over the place but this does feel like we start in a certain place which is this you know the countryside is overgrown there's a lighthouse in her soul mm -hmm. we start from that point and we do kind of end up in a, a very different place uh by the time we get to the end of the song yeah um but i do i do also kind of like this you know wrestling with butcher's girls she don't ever change her clothes like uh, it does kind of conjure up this kind of very rustic feel of like you know um, Beck out in the fields kind of wrestling around with, you know, the farmer's daughter or something. Like, this, sure. seems, this seems to be, like, kind of a very rustic kind of start to the song. Right, um, and, you and know. in the true sense of, like, it, you know, Beck is talking about whatever you bring to the lyrics. Like, it's it can also be interpreted, like, you know, this woman moves to the coast and becomes a prostitute and, like, has to fight with big, tough lesbians. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, wrestling with butcher girls yeah. might be, you know. Uh, well, this is it. I mean, he says there's a lighthouse in her soul. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that could be the countryside or that could be the person that he's, the song is about. Right. So, yeah, either either way, you know, it, it kind of uh, it kind of uh, applies. Lizards in the pressure zone, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, the chorus has uh, one of those things again that Beck likes to do, which is kind of um, uh, I don't know. I would almost say like interesting words over content. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he says masterpieces liquidate in fertile tears, like right. I don't know that that means anything, but the way he sings it, it is very kind of interesting. Yeah, it feels to me like a, a raunchy line. Like you have almost the sort of assonant allusion to like masturbation, and then fertile tears is you know semen. Obviously, you know, <laughs> like I said, yeah. whatever you bring to it, <laughs> but, um, you know, there, there's there's really this sort of aspect of like grossness, like you open up with the, the, the sort of fertile lighthouse imagery and then bam right into the chorus with the grossness. You know, I'd say that the phrase, you know, I could I could sleep inside her bones a hundred years. Raunchy again. Is, <laughs> raunchy, but it's also a little poetic. You know, oh, yeah. Like the. You know, I, I it, like the one thing that Prince would like, you know, kind of tends to do in his songs when it comes to the raunchy stuff is mm-hmm. be a bit more explicit. For sure. Whereas it feels like Beck is kind of being a bit more poetic in terms of, you know, expressing these ideas, which, of course, then leaves it open to interpretation just a little bit. Right. This kind of little couplet is is always kind of, I don't know, odd. Yeah. The lizards in the pressure zone. Mm-hmm. Mother knows it's only a phase. Right. Um. But the way he sings Faze as well, he's, he sings Faze. Right. Like, Faze. Like, yeah. I, I yeah, read, like the way he sings it is not completely like straightforward. Yeah. I read like all kinds of stuff that had been written about this album and almost all of it leaves out Pressure Zone as just sort of like what they're talking about <laughs> on the album. But the the one that you sent me uh, from uh, Diffuser talked about how there's like a Bowie-esque pop element to this. And I think that that's really true yeah. where since it is like a 70s pastiche, like the way he's like lizards in the pressure zone, like it's definitely you could almost <laughs> yeah. hear like if Bowie fell into a vat of acid or something, maybe he would sing this song. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's as big as the Prince influence, but there certainly right. is a bit of a kind of a Bowie influence. And I would I would even say it's even quite true that there is a little bit of like an 80s influence. Some mm-hmm. of the samples that he picks are from the 80s. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, you know. In 1999 is, you know, not that not that far ago. Sure. <laughs> so, um, you know, you're still quite close to the decade. But, uh, you know, so kind of sampling stuff that soon is, is always kind of a little bit odd. Yeah. Um, even if now, 20 years down the line, like those samples, you know, feel so kind of dated. Whereas mm-hmm. the stuff that Beck is doing feels, a, it, I mean, this album doesn't feel like 1999 to me. Hmm. Um, like it doesn't feel like the production kind of dates it to that year. Well, I will tell you this: it it <laughs> it like bullseyes nineteen ninety nine for me. I was born in uh, nineteen eighty seven, so I was like what thirteen or fourteen, uh, no twelve. God, when this uh, track yeah. came out, and um, my brother had just gotten me for my disc man on the trip to uh, Washington D.C. Uh, Beautiful Freak by the Eels. And like, especially yeah. later in this song, later in the song, they had this sort of floaty guitar and like weird synth, like bells uh, sort of skipping around. And it feels like chopped out of an Eels track. And and for me, that was yeah. 1999 on the bus to Washington, D.C., just blasting <laughs> that. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember getting um, uh, Beautiful Freak. Mm-hmm. I think I bought it on cassette. Uh, possibly the week of release mm-hmm. whenever it came out, which was like, um, I think 90, I want to say 1997, but, 
Um, yeah, so I mean, I love that album. I mean, so, uh, you know, I don't know that I will ever do it track by track because I have a feeling that just going through any Eels album track by track would end yeah. up destroying me. <laughs> um, but because you know, the kind of the it's not. It, I mean, the word melancholy is basically just everything to do with you know. I don't think that he is as melancholic as he is now, but right. certainly in the nineties. Oh yeah, possibly the most melancholic person who ever lived. It's it's certainly evocative and. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it was definitely Mark Everett. You oh, know, yeah. from like say '95 through to about 2005. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that kind of lizards in the pressure zone. You're right; it is a kind of a Bowie-esque type phrase. Um, but I do, I, you know, this kind of mo- mother knows it's only a phrase as well. Like you know, again, uh, if 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 your first kind of if your interpretation of the first line is correct, then uh, you know, I don't know what mother is doing. Uh, yeah getting well involved in all this you know yeah I mean, I mean i mean to me it speaks if if it is sort of a, a story of like country goes hollywood goes wrong you know there's like the lizards in the pressure zone are like you know people who come to hollywood and then they're engaging in all of this just like base uh animal instinct because like you know the reference to like the lizard's brain doesn't have any like subconscious or conscious it's like all id uh, which is an yeah. animal fact, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, I think that lizards in the pressure zone is is an interesting description if you think of it in terms of those people who go to Hollywood and just kind of lose it. And then we have you know Cherry Gardens feel like ice mm-hmm. hazard lights from her past mm-hmm. um, underneath the Bokum Bridge. Hookers hug Ill- illegal dads, which is just such right. a. I, I mean. I, it's a little bit hard to just to say that. I think it sings a lot better, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah, hookers, yeah, I think so. Hookers, hookers hug illegal dads. Yeah. It's almost close to being a tongue twister. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. So this is this is the story, obviously, of where we end up, which is, you know, underneath a broken bridge. I mean, right. <laughs> um, you know, it's that's kind of like about as tragic as, as it gets. Right. Um, it, in terms of like the, you know, the story. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this only has two verses, and that's the right. second one, and that's it, you know. And then for the rest of the song, it's it's mostly the repetition of the chorus. Right. Um. So, but yeah, I I don't know. Like I, again, I I kind of like this uh the, the kind of the imagery of cherry gardens feel like ice. Like oh, so, yeah. you know, you're in this place that has you know these blossoms. I'm guessing the cherry blossoms. Yeah. And you know, should be like a nice place to be, but apparently it feels like ice. Yeah. Well, and it's um, absolutely like just a really direct reference to a loss of innocence too like you know in american slang like the cherry is yeah. is, is you know your virginity and if that's uh, you know a garden of that is frozen over like it, it's cool how beck takes you know eight like 12 lines and just like there's so many of the lines that tell the whole story of the song just in one and like it it was when i was reading up for this episode that i realized like Beck it says in interviews like he's saying something specific and I was like he is he tricked me I thought it was nonsense <laughs> but it's there yeah. <laughs> uh, you know a lot of the lyrics on this album uh, do tend towards the kind of like stream of consciousness stuff yeah um, and I feel like some people feel it's a, a futile task to attempt to try and find meaning in them but yeah. um, in this case you know I feel like underneath the broken bridge hookers hug illegal dads is probably the most kind of simple lines that are on this entire album right um you know other than i want to get with you uh, mm-hmm. and your sister right I think Deborah. like that's that's a fair that's a fairly simple kind of line as well but right yeah i'm and I, also this kind of like the hazard lights as well obviously you know being the lights on the car that come on when mm-hmm. it's stopped 
So again, there's a suggestion there of you know a stopped car, right? Um, which you know would be someone who would obviously be trying to pick up, um, you know, a hooker. So you right. know, again, it's it, it's it's wonderful kind of. I I feel like you know you know Beck's kind of songwriting, um, you know, his kind of lyricism maybe is kind of um, underpraised a little because people tend to think of him as being someone who does kind of like nonsense stream of consciousness type lyrics. Right. Um, but you know, when he wants to tell a story, then, you know, he can, he can easily tell a story. It's not, you know, it's, it's not like it's something that he doesn't want to do. You know, it's just for most of his songs, you know, he's not interested in that. And, uh, you know, but in this case, uh, you know, this, this second verse really kind of paints a very simple picture of where we've ended up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And like to your point of painting a picture, like there's so much imagery in all of this. And I think even in like Beck's kookier songs, like, you know, on Loser, where he's talking about the termite choking on the splinters, like you have to imagine like the emotion of that. Like there's it's such a clear picture of just like, yeah, so much stuff. I I don't know. I love Beck. I've been a fan of his like (laughs) forever. (laughs) I, I, I listen to his new stuff. I listen to his old stuff. He's he's great. And yeah, you know, a lot of times your first reaction is just like, this is, this is nonsense, <laughs> but oof, I, it's yeah. been a fun experience to like open it up and read it line by line. It's wild. And, you know, it's interesting as well that the outro itself, you know, kind of, it just consists of the repetition of it's only a phase. Yeah. Um, which in some ways, I guess, maybe uh, points towards, you know, this story of tragedy, maybe having, you know, a happy ending, maybe, right. you know, this is only a phase, maybe they will return back to the the countryside and uh you know maybe they will kind of um you know find themselves again yeah um although again like the story of people going to the big city and then returning back home and kind of after having a bad experience that feels like uh you know kind of a well-told story so oh yeah um but uh yeah you know i i think i think as well like the kind of um I don't know how to describe it but there's almost like a as in the in terms of the production of the the song there's a there's like a a sound which sounds. Um, Are you talking about the sword like shing? The ma- <laughs> yeah, the swooshing. Yeah, the kind of like I don't know. It almost sounds like uh, you know, uh, like someone I don't know swinging a sword yes, or something. Yeah, like, it's, a, it, it's the shing yeah, of just, drawing a sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that kind of like in the production, there's this kind of like this song. Is, you know, it's one of the in terms of the the kind of production sound. It's it's kind of more artificial than some of the yeah. other stuff that's on this album. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting that kind of the the backbone of the kind of the song. Yeah. Um, instead of like drums, it sounds like you have these these kind of I don't know almost like robot noises. Yeah. That are, are kind of the backbone of the of the actual kind of beat. Yeah, it's um, like sound effects it, instead of like music samples. It's wild. It's a really cool yeah. sounding like backbeat, and the rhythm guitar in it is just like so gut busting in the beginning, like that. Bow, bow, bow. It's awesome. Uh, and so it's uh, yeah. So I think the production on this is just as interesting as you know the lyrical content. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's and the thing is as well is it makes a nice contrast to what comes next, which is obviously you know much more of a kind of like funk based song that has like a more real instruments in it and sounds right. more kind of natural. Whereas this tale of someone, you know, coming from the countryside and going to the big city has this more kind of like artificial sound. So I I don't think that's, you know, by chance. I think, you know, Beck has chosen the production, you know, for a very specific sound, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to kind of get that point across. Um, But yeah, you know, I just thought I should at least say something about the kind of the the basis of what the beat is in this track, because it's uh, it's one of the few tracks as well that isn't based on like a sample of anything. Right. 
so there's no there's no kind of you know with some of the other songs there's kind of a very specific sample that kind of forms the backbone of the songs even if it is kind of very produced and kind of you know changed or whatever yeah um, but here that in all that kind of all the beat of this song is based on you know stuff that is played by the the musicians that are on the track right um you know even if it doesn't sound like a drum that's the weird thing is like you have this rhythm track and it doesn't sound like there's any drums in there it just sounds like it's a series of um different kind of like robotic noises that Mm -hmm. are being played right um you know instead of instead of any actual kind of proper instrumentation which is it's just kind of an odd thing like i said i mean i even struggled to describe what the whoosh sound is yeah yeah no i mean to me it definitely like says sword like it's a weird like allusion to a specific you know action like it it feels exactly like you know the sound you would expect when a cartoon character pulls out a sword it's a shing <laughs> so like uh there's that and then there's like the the intro to this song is like some spray paint uh noises um there's like yes. there's like a little like 15 second intro that's on the album and on Spotify and like on some of the YouTube videos it's like still gives you this sort of live recorded sound feel so that everything is kind of like tactile instead of instead of synth even though it is just like noises um yeah so it's it's I think weird. that's I, I think that's like the second time on the album where there is a set of noises cuz earlier in the album there's like a the sound of robots having sex in a bed sure it's that old of, chestnut yeah. <laughs> so you have that that, that yeah so you that that kind of spray can sound is it, you know is like kind of the second time that there's been kind of like some I know something that almost feels like if this were done in like some kind of video form, you would see someone spraying some paint before the song begins. Right. Um, but, you know, this was never released as a single. So there was never like a video to kind of accompany it. Right. Uh, to kind of put that into action. So Yeah, I did see um, they performed this song on uh, they did this song live on MTV at one point. You can look up a YouTube video of that. And it's way different with just band instruments like. I listen to it and it, yeah. it almost feels like a totally different song. And I think it has to do exactly with what we're talking about with the sound effects in the drum line where, you know, if you hear just like drum, drum noises, you know, I don't need to sing them for you. Yeah. You know what they sound like. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, it changes completely the sort of landscape of this song and it uh, gets you away from that sort of loosey goosey feel that I feel like I really identify with the eels and the dust brothers in general uh, where they're just having fun like making music noises out of things that aren't uh noises from music if that makes sense <laughs> yeah well i mean obviously you know the you know nova came for the soul mm-hmm. you know has a number of instruments on it that are like to- i think like children's toy instruments yeah you know so that kind of like experimentation was you know something kind of from around this time period um you know the the funny thing being of course that you know most of the kind of like college rock indie bands of the early 90s by the time you got to the end of the 90s were all gigantic huge stars <laughs> so right <laughs> there was kind of like you know a, 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 there was kind of a lack of of kind of college radio kind of music right. uh, until you kind of got stuff like beck and you know and kind of uh you know most of the grunge stuff and you know yeah. a lot more of the kind of indie stuff that kind of, that ends up being I guess you would kind of say emo, kind sure. of like the stuff that kind of ends up in that direction. Yeah, I think so. Um, and of course, you know, all those bands then, of course, ended up being, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I think the funny thing is like the kind of early 90s is the last time that, um, you know, most of the music scenes produced like huge kind of like rock star bands, like, oh, you yeah. know, R.E.M. and that kind of thing. Like, yeah. 
since then everything's been kind of on a smaller scale yeah i think um, so I, I mean there's definitely like still huge musicians i just don't know that it's like from rock and roll exclusively anymore like you know you still got people no i just mean like in, kind of like indie rock stuff yeah like you know it's since the 90s i'd say most of it stays kind of like ghettoized and just sure you know there's no, very rare that anything i mean let's probably like this when rem crossed over right um you know in the early 90s they they became gigantic to a to a level that i don't think even the members of rem fully ever comprehended <laughs> yeah and you know you can even kind of see it in michael stipe's eyes in most interviews after kind of like 92 right he seems confused as to why he's performing in front of like oh, fifty thousand yeah. people at night like he just seems completely lost um, yeah. You know, and I think it took him a while before he kind of accepted, you know, what REM was. I mean, it, REM got so big, one of them just had to leave and work on a farm. Yeah, um, I mean, like yeah, the, the, the reverse of this story. Yeah, there's definitely um, an element of in the 90s, like they just weren't ready for that. Like all this music has this sort of like DIY aesthetic where they're just like grabbing random noises and putting them into song shapes and creating this really unique sound. But I feel like, yeah, even now, like the band that I can think of that might be around in there is people who play around with just this sort of outsider aesthetic that become huge. It's like panic at the disco or fallout boy where like when they came yeah. out, it was like dorky emo kids who love them. And now panic at the disco is in like Pepsi commercials and stuff. I think, yeah, yeah. the nineties might've warned these people that they were making stuff that would eventually be like played in a stadium. I mean like Jack white <laughs> when he did, um, uh, 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 Oh God, white stripes, big album the one with seven nation army like he he was like i'm gonna make this poppy album that everybody can play on guitar and now like it, when they kick off a football they play dur, 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 bur, dur, bur, dur. and i don't think that when he made that he was thinking like everyone will love this he was like in modern times it, it, yeah it is there's that weird element of just like i can't believe people like this <laughs> and i think beck you know i mean I, the weird thing is i think anytime beck felt like he was getting too big he mm -hmm. just kind of rebelled and made another album that was completely yes different to the previous one and yes. basically put a halt to any momentum and kind oh, yeah. of stopped him you know dead stopped most people kind of dead in their tracks because they were like well i like the last album but i don't like this one right and oh, i think I, yeah i think I, beck kind of has a skill of doing that that uh, you know, I think very few artists are able to kind of stay oh. relatively popular, but make albums that kind of almost alienate different people at different times. To That's my favorite thing about Beck is like the last three or four albums. It's been like, oh, Beck's putting out a new album. I can't wait to hear basically like a new band almost putting out their first album, but like just so technically good. Like I, ah, I get so excited. Like, like Colors came out and, and the most recent one with like, up all night with you i don't rem i think that's off of colors actually i'm just naming the same back album over and over but like that one and then the two albums before that were just also different from each other and also different from the stuff he'd already done and also just like so different from everybody else that you were like oh it's a beck album i've never heard anything like this but it is a beck album <laughs> but um you know so i mean i feel like uh we've probably said about as much as we can about pressure zone yeah uh so let's go to plugs is there anything that you watch to plug kevin oh sure um yeah so i want to uh plug my very own very favorite podcast is a show called chatimals uh we talk about animal facts uh it's me and my wife and uh we get drunk and talk about like sloths and stuff uh <laughs> it's uh it's super fun one fun thing about it is i watch planet earth all the time to to sort of learn about stuff and there is in episode one of planet earth 2 
there's a part where these baby lizards are running away from snakes. It's one of the most exciting pieces of footage I've ever seen. And it's definitely what I think of when I think of lizards in the pressure zone is just these lizards, the day they're born, are chased by like 50 snakes. Um, so there's that. And then uh, also monthly we put out a live trivia show uh, produced in Columbus, Ohio called The Quiz Box. And uh, I just took over as the producer of that. And it's very fun. And it sounds good now. So there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, Twitter, we're at the Chatimals. Um, Quizbox doesn't have a Twitter yet, but uh, all of that stuff is on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Uh, you can tell your Alexa, uh, Alexa, play the play the podcast Chatimals, and it'll come up from TuneIn. Uh, that was a fun one to figure out. Um, but uh, yeah, we're all over the internet. And you can normally find me on Prince Track by Track, which is available on uh, Twitter at Prince Podcast. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, thanks very much for being my guest here, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And yeah. goodbye. I got a little bit of sympathy for you, girl. Because yeah. I'm a, I'm a full-grown man. And I'm not a, afraid to... to